agreeing that we live vicariously, but you know, something I know I've talked about with Julie is that um, I also think that um, we live in constant fear that our kids are being left behind. Welcome to Mother Puckers, the first and only podcast for hockey moms by a hockey mom. And that's me, Julie Bardowski, alongside the hockey apostle, Lou Mangeluzzo. Hi, Lou. How are you today? I'm good. You? I'm doing just okay. Okay. We're in the midst of it this weekend with like, we're on an eight game streak in seven days. So okay, that's pretty big. Never stops. No, you know, and then it'll start over again come June. <laughs> <laughs> come June, yeah. Oh, Wait, why is hockey a year-round sport, Lou? Why? I think, I, I'm starting to think it's a big conspiracy. Oh, okay. What's the conspiracy? Got to keep the rinks open. Got to go. I can't go out of business. That's true. That's true. Why don't they have a summer, like a summer league? And a winter league or something like that, so they can keep the rinks open. I don't well, know. They almost kind of do because it never stops, right? It never stops. It's like uh, it's like I remember Terry Slater uh, saying to Jack Parker in 1990 about because Terry Slater at Colgate came from the W World Hockey Association, and he said, "Jack, I just wish you could trade players when you don't want them anymore." And Jack Parker said, "Well, you can't do that. Well, you can now." Tarasenko, speaking of trades, what do you think about that? I'm bummed as a Blues fan, but I know that he's been wanting to go. Well, that, that's the Rangers. I really don't want to, you know, right? It's the Rangers business, but I'm talking just like in college now, you have players that are oh, three, the portal. Different, three different years. Oh, my gosh. So you can trade players. You right? can. Oh, Maybe my you Just go where you want to go, right? Where do you I see mean, that going, well, Luke? We're going to get yeah, into that, but where do you see this portal situation going? I don't know. I think it's here forever. I don't think I, this is the way the culture and society is going. You know, imagine imagine uh, a, a coach. I mean, how difficult for a guy like that. Yeah. Oh, little Johnny's not on the power play. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to go somewhere else now. Or little Johnny gets, uh, gets a commitment, gets a scholarship, he's there, and then all of a sudden they recruit little Jamie, and Jamie starts taking all of Johnny's minutes. Oh, yeah, then he wants to leave. Or, yeah. or you know, or how, about the, how about how, unfortunately, it works out for coaches where, you know, let's be honest, I'm sure coaches are recruiting kids on other teams. Oh. And how about the agents calling other coaches because the kid wants to leave a certain school? Oh, my I mean, gosh. really? Is that going I mean, on? Just, well, don't. Uh, yeah, I think it is going on. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I do. Oh, my gosh. You know, I read this story about this four star quarterback recruit out of California in an NIL bidding, ro- bidding war, and he got, he got, told 13.1 million from Miami then Florida jumped in or no 9.8 million from Miami then Florida jumped in with 11.3 and then this kid's dad was like negotiating and putting them against each other this is how I take the story this is how I read it and is this, this is a, football you're talking about? Is a, well and this is actually yeah it's a football player and um 
they kind of pit each other against each other. Well, then neither of the collectives met their contractual agreement to pay him, I think, to start 500 grand, and then he had to enroll in the school by a certain date. So those things didn't happen, but the terms in the contract said the collective can terminate the contract at any time for any reason. They're never beholding to the full payout. And I'm like, okay, what is going on? And then get this. So both collectives pulled the contract, said no. Both schools said no to the kid. So now the kid's at his dad's alma mater with no NIL deal. Well, I mean, you're, you're talking college football? Yeah, college football. So how, are make, how are they making millions? Uh, uh, the collective. So so he had to do like four things. He had to do a social media post promoting whatever the collective was promoting. They usually have a tech company or a wellness thing. They had to promote it once a month on social media. They mm-hmm. had to sign 15 items a year so jerseys footballs whatever had to go to like one in-person thing so so the requirement on the player was very minimal to receive 11 million dollars over four years i know players get paid now in college and all that i i I mean it goes on every sport it's probably bigger in football than it is certainly in baseball or hockey or I'm sure basketball and football and college, the way these rules or laws are written, amateurism and going away. I mean, it's all, it's just part of the social fabric. Um, um, You know, we knew kind of, we kind of knew that was coming with the court. I mean, I told people years ago it was going to change. I mean, you can't, you can't tell some kid that gets a full scholarship that, you know, he can't buy a cheeseburger, right? You're making millions in football on Saturday afternoon, and, and, of course, it did change, right? Now we compensate the players. Some get more than others, but everybody's getting a piece of the pie. And probably they should in some fashion. I mean, you know. I agree. But, but look at what this has done to this 18-year-old, not, well, 19-year-old kid now. He lost a year of school playing, no, playing, playing at a school where he didn't get any NIL money, all because his dad jumped in. And I honestly, Lou, that's what brings us to our topic for today is we're talking about parents and what parents go through as we're supporting our athletes as you know we're going along and then when that journey ends and kind of what do we do next. So it's kind of a good lead-in, but we're definitely going to do a massive debate on NIL and portal stuff because I think this is really important stuff to know because I think this ends up affecting the younger kids because you've got eight-year-olds who are looking at, you know, these players with these million dollar contracts in college and i think that's going to put even more pressure on these young kids i i i get it i it's it's i mean the parents i i mean we all think the parents are sometimes sideways and a lot of the parents say about other parents that they're sideways and some of them know they're sideways i mean i don't know if you get around i mean a lot of them will just admit yeah we're kind of nuts (laughs) those are my favorite parents All right. Well, we're going to talk to Whitney um, today and Whitney's going to going to bring us up to speed um, on what she's doing. Her name is Whitney Fleming and you can find her at Whitney Fleming Writes. And I'm going to call her right now and bring her in so we can talk about the topic of sideways parents. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. All right. Hi, Whitney. Hi, how are you? I'm well. How are you doing today? 
I'm good. Good. Thanks for um, moving back an hour. Those uh, those days, you know, you get it. Yeah. You're and you're yes. a mom of three. I only have one. I'm only a I'm, yeah. a, I'm a solo or a, what do we call ourselves? An Uno, and you're a multi breeder. It's it's all hard. It's all hard. And I have Lou Mangeluzzo with us who also has a daughter. So he, he can speak the daughter language. Excellent. How are you doing? Good. How are you? So Whitney com is that, that she was saying, what, what is your, uh, uh, what, is that what it is you go by or what, what is it? Again? Well, well, I run a page called Whitney Fleming writes, but I actually, um, co-own the blog, um, parenting teens and tweens. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is parentingteensandtweens.com. That's like, uh, Whitney Fleming writes is kind of like my fun job where I can kind of just do whatever. But, um, uh, uh, parenting teens and tweens is where I make the money. So <laughs> that's my, my full time gig. Are you a writer of, from, like, are you a writer? Have you written books? Or are you a writer or no? Or do you I, write think, or? I, I do. Yeah, th- that's that's my profession. I started off in public relations and um, and that's kind of where I got my chops in the in the writing world. But then I moved over and just started doing more freelance writing. And um, I kind of started a blog about eight years ago and uh, it's just taken off from there. But I've been I haven't written. I well. I have a journal that's on Amazon that I kind of wrote for someone else. But then um, I've been, I think, in six or seven books. My essays have been in six or seven parenting books. And um, uh, I've probably been published on like 50 to 60 sites on the Internet and such. So, And the, um, the topic came about because, you know, we're all traveling through life and everything and we're living each day as best as we can. And when you hear other life participants out there, especially veteran moms with veteran mom skills and writing skills like our Mm -hmm. guest today, Whitney Fleming, it helps you navigate what happens after today. And since this is a podcast where most of the listeners have a relation to a hockey player, the what's next we are going to talk about is What happens after hockey or any sport ends? Not so much for our kids. We'll get to that another time. But what happens for us is the parents, the crazy ones that drive three hours one way to a practice three times a week, the ones who pick up and live in different cities and states so they can keep the family together in the name of hockey. Yeah, I I threw our own situation in there because really – what is next when I get to live in Nashville again full time? I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, what do we do when our kids stop playing? So today, Lou and I are going to chat with Whitney Fleming, writer. And I love that, how simple and direct that is, that descriptor, writer, <laughs> because sometimes, Whitney, I feel like J-Lo because I'm like um, <laughs> mom slash um, corporate girl slash podcaster slash wannabe curler for the U.S. Olympic team. So <laughs> I feel like slash, slash, slash. So I want to be that great, awesome, simple Whit- Whit- Whitney Fleming writer. And um, she's also a veteran mom, as I said, and has a history to help, you know, any moms of, you know, that we're at the same current age group, you know, a lot of what you're writing has done helps that. But to me, it's helping the younger the parents of younger kids who haven't quite gotten through some of the things that you've gotten through as a mom. And um, so I think this has such broad scope. And so Whitney, um, Lou and I are going to talk about 
what do we do with our days and nights and dreams that are currently filled with sport XYZ and all the things that go around it. And then all of a sudden it's no longer there, whether it's injury, graduation, burnout, disinterest, whatever happens. Whitney's going through it. It's written about it talked about it and now we're going to talk about it so we can help each other and help each parent who's listening no matter the stage you're at so that you can be ready for what's coming so also keep in the back of your mind all of this you young parents of younger so you can cherish that smelly hockey bag and every piece of the drama that surrounds <laughs> youth hockey because it will come to an end at one day so Whitney welcome to mother puckers Lou and I are super excited to have you here thank you so much for having me and so you, we were just talking about your blog. So first off, how did you start becoming a creator of creative writing creator with all the great words you use? It's um, a really simple story. I had some friends who told me I was funny on Facebook. And so, you know, my, my comments about um, my kids were funny and I should start a blog. And I was at a transition in my career and somebody said, um, you know, you should, you should start a blog. And this is when the mommy blog craze was kind of going on about eight years ago. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I just started a Facebook page and um, I, I was starting my own little con- um, consulting business, but I wasn't really sure where it was headed. And so I just started writing about parenting really. And um, I have, I'm not a hockey mom, but I am a, a sports mom. I have three, three daughters. Um, my Twins are seniors this year, and I have a daughter who's going to uh, continue her sports career um, at a D3 school. She's a track and field and cross-country runner. Um, my other daughter is, we, we say she plays varsity cello. So she is, nice. uh, she's in the orchestra, but she, and so she's pursuing more of a music career. And, um, and then my third daughter is a junior in high school and she plays soccer and she's trying to decide if she wants to continue on. Um, so I, I really appreciate your podcast and what you're trying to do for younger parents, because I wish there was a blueprint for me, because the biggest tip that I would say there's going on to, to what you were talking about is to find something that you're passionate enough as a parent that's outside of your kids and their their activities. Um, because I think having like starting my own business and having this other passion project um, for myself has been has given me a lot of perspective and sanity um, when I when it's very easy to become uh, just tunnel vision with what your kid is going through. So finding something that you love um, just as much as loving what your kids are going through is, is really important. And that's, you know, has been my saving grace. And I always tell parents that like, sometimes we get so wrapped up in what our kids are going through that if you don't have something else, you know, that can kind of fill that void, that's when you, I feel like start embracing the crazy and you can't really make solid decisions. And so that's, that's, um, you know, I've just grown my business from there, you know, seeing how people have responded to my writing has been great. I mean, it's not always positive, but a lot of the times I find that um, parents are, are telling me that I'm saying what they're thinking, but kind of scared to say out loud. Right. So I like to think that I'm trying to be an agent of change um, with, with what I write about and really just saying, you know, kind of getting back to basics. 
And that's that's kind of what I do um, between my Whitney Fleming rights page on Facebook. And then I, I own the blog Parenting Teens and Tweens. And we talk about sports quite a bit and activities and ways we can kind of just get back to the basics with, with parenting and have really solid relationships with our kids. That is yeah, that, great. That, you know, I, I think that I think some I and what you're saying, like I, I just see too many parents live vicariously through their children. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. It, it gets so lost in the shuffle, and then yeah, and then you, you wonder why it, it is. I, I think you know. I mean, we're in hockey, so hockey's a little different because I think I think one of the things that drives it over the edge is that it costs a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there's more at stake. It's there's more right. financial. Uh, obligation and, and you, you pay for you know it's like buying anything you pay more for it you, you want it to be better you think it should do more things or are you getting value and when you don't you get upset i i think that parents get like that because it on the hockey end from what we do things cost they're expensive and other sports are getting expensive too but i think the money plays a huge role in mm-hmm. what the temperature of the of the parental guidance is if that's fair I, I would totally agree with that um, because, I mean, I could just say, like, I know what we've spent even just on soccer, you know, for indoor and year round and tournaments and such. But I can't imagine what it costs like for ice time and equipment. But, you know, agreeing that we live vicariously. But, you know, something I know I've talked about with Julie is that um, I also think that uh, we live in constant fear that our kids are being left behind. Right? That is a huge thing on why, you know, the way parents make decisions is because you feel like, I mean, I remember my daughter talked about um, going out for a sport in ninth grade and several people telling her that it was too late. And, you know, she was 13, right? And, and I just... I was, I was like, are you kidding me? And um, so, but that's, that's the culture we live in that if you, if you're not great at something, then why bother? And, and that's, and then, so you have to be great at it at an early age or you've missed the boat. And um, when you bring that up, I, I, I hear you. And I, I, look, um, I'm from a different, a little bit of different mindset than people today because I'm 63 raised by depression parents that are gone now. Um, so I'm from a totally different world, right? And to be very honest with you, I think a way more correct world than it is today. Uh, you know, uh, I, I often wonder why, and I don't want to get a whole world mad at me. And I often wonder why I asked a five years ago, I asked a 71 year old woman, you know, why did you spoil your, spoil, spoil your child? And she says, well, you have to understand we had the Korean War just finished, and then we had the Vietnam War, and we had long gas lines. and And I said, "So, oh, you had it kind of tough." Oh, yes. So we want. Oh, so how come the Depression parent didn't spoil their kid? They were in a soup line in 1929. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. oh, you had it. Oh, so you had it tougher than them, right? And that's where the problem lies, right? When you think about it from those two generations alone, not counting their offspring and their children, which are the now grandchildren are 15 or 16. Fair. That's fair. Right. Well, I, I, I think so. But I, I think the the difference, too, though, is, um, yeah, they, they're the economic 
you know, we are now in generations where, you know, every, those generations wanted what was better for their children. Like, Everybody I know. Right, right. But now, like, we're at an economic standpoint where, you know, it's not guaranteed that, you know, your kids will be more economically affluent than you were. Right. Yeah. And, and course, that makes that makes a big that makes a big change because the way we're raising our kids is, you know, the economics of our country has changed so much. But I, I think I think you're right. Uh, but I mean, I just I know like my father, like my father was older. And so I was the youngest. And so I'm not that far off probably from where your parents were because my sister is 63. And so um that, you know, I, I think I think the biggest thing is just um, the competitive nature of, of parenting and social media yes. and, you know, what we see, um, you know, when we look left to right um, with other kids and we're just constantly pummeled with these messages that this is the way your kid is supposed to look. This is the way you're supposed to look. This is the way you're supposed to do things. And I know my mom is always telling me, she's like, I just had no idea what anybody else was going through. I just knew what I needed to get done in a day. No, and and to your point, I mean, yeah, people would say that everybody's supposed to be better for every, every generation going forward. And maybe now that might not be the case. Right. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, but I'll say, I remember saying to my father, that's not fair. And he'd say, I'll give you your fair. It's the thing that comes to town once a year. Okay? Right. That's your fair. And then I reminded someone of that. And they said, oh, no, that's actually not the proverb. It's a, it's a German proverb that says the fair comes to town once a year and not everybody gets to go. And not everybody uh-huh. gets to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because, well, it's not funny. This is actually, I every spring graduation time award season time when you see on social media all of the you know the great things that kids are getting that that they're accomplishing that they're getting awards for that you know they're being recognized for and I love seeing the success that my kids uh, my friends kids are having and I, and I love that I truly do but my goodness I I get really sad every spring and every time I see a celebration because I get sad for the parents who aren't saying my kid got a C in chemistry and I am so freaking proud of Mm -hmm. my kid because he, this was something that he would never be able to do and he did not fail. You know, you don't, and you don't see the kids who are, um, And I don't want to, you don't see the unawarded in front of a banquet kids. And I feel horrible. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I just, I get this gut punch and I'm like, why can't people be celebrating wherever their kid is? Why is that Whitney? I mean, it's, it's just, I, I think that's, we constantly push the goalposts back. I think in parenting with what is a success. And everybody needs to redefine what success looks like in your house. And I just had this conversation with my daughter, who's going to be a senior next year. We just picked out her schedule and she came, she's very um, self-motivated and driven. And um, she was, we were talking about her schedule and she said that she wanted to do late start next year because that's, she has almost all of her credits fulfilled and she was saying that she wanted to do it. And I told her it was okay that I would sign off on it. And then she came home and she was very stressed about it because several of her friends were like, Oh, we can't do late start. We have to take another AP class and we have to do this and we have to do that. And, 
um, I asked her, why did she think another, how was in another AP class going to help her that wasn't in a subject matter she cared about and that she didn't really need to get into college. And um, she couldn't explain to me except for the fact that she felt this urgency because all of her friends were doing it. And she felt like she was going to be left behind. And so I told her that the great part of this was that she's already been successful. The reason why she doesn't, she can do late start next year is because she has done well. She has great grades. She, she, we know she's going to get into a great college. She is spending her time constructively because she coaches soccer teams. Like, but she felt just because she wasn't taking three or four AP classes next semester, that made her a failure. So we, we had to sit down and redefine what success looked like for her. And, but that takes like a lot of self-actualization and, and Mm -hmm. I like, and for parents, you have to have the courage to say, my kid isn't going to be left behind. I know she's going to get into college. I know she's going to be a success or, or maybe if she wasn't even going to, it doesn't have to be college, whatever it was that she was going to do. My daughter knows she wants to go into education. So it's been very simple, but I had another daughter who may want to take a gap year. And so we sat down and looked at that because she thought maybe she wanted to work for a year before she went to college um, just to kind of like take a break from the high school churn. So I think the biggest thing that I like to talk about with parents is, you know, make sure you're defining success by what it looks like for your kid and not what everybody else is posting. And, And I think I told you the story about how we pulled my daughter from a more competitive soccer program oh yeah Um, this is a great story hold on on that for a second Whitney because this Lou this story this is going to resonate with every one of our parents with what she's going to share about how they looked at what their daughter was doing from a competitive sport perspective and Whitney when you told me this story I was just like cheering up and down Mm -hmm. and (laughs) the outcome of it is just so beautiful and parents listening into this please Pause whatever you're doing for the next several minutes and take a hear, really hear this story. All right, Whitney, go go for it. So she, so my daughter is um, is is an extremely hard worker, but she's not like a flashy athlete. And a few years back in the soccer world, they changed the way teams were set up, and they went from soccer teams being by grade to being by birth year. And my daughter just happened to be on the end where there was only three girls that were in her birth year. But everybody was, she's a 2006. Almost every girl on her team was a 2005. And so they were combining teams. We weren't sure if there would be a spot for her on this new 2005 team. Um, And the 2006 team was kind of this mishmash. So we decided to move to a different club. Uh, that was about a 45 minute drive away and it was more competitive. So she went there and she just struggled. She did, she, you know, she, she was playing and we were doing all these tournaments and, but the, the drive and the, she didn't really click with the girls and we found her starting to not love soccer. And it was really painful to watch because it really put a strain on our relationship because um, of course the first thing that we thought when we saw her out in that field was that she wasn't trying you know she wasn't putting in this effort you know that was our first instinct was was you know we don't care what you do as long as you try hard and you know it's you have to as much of our parents do when you see your kid kind of failing out there 
you, you immediately go to effort. Yeah. And it became like a problem between her and I and her and her father where, you know, we were arguing about stuff and we weren't feeling good about it. And then we noticed that other parents were feeling that same way. And, and it was, there was this tension on the sidelines and it became a really unenjoyable experience for everyone involved. And even though my daughter said she wanted to keep playing, it, it just wasn't the same. And so eventually after all of these, um, car rides and the time that we were spending and the money we were spending and we were flying everywhere for tournaments. Um, when it came for time for tryouts the next year, we just decided to bring her back to a local club and it's where some of her friends were playing and she wasn't getting honestly the same soccer experience. Um, I, I don't want to say the coaches weren't say, uh, I don't want to say they weren't as good, but they weren't as um, heavily uh, licensed or accredited um, for soccer coaches, or they didn't maybe have the same experience. The tournaments, we didn't fly all over the place. We stayed local. Uh, the caliber of play was a little lower, but what happened was the coach that she had saw what kind of kid she was and asked her to start coaching a team and a younger girls team. And then she started um, refing and she ended up falling in love with the sport again, so much so that all of a sudden her play picked up and uh, she started playing on the varsity high school team and everything started falling into place, including how we saw her and what had actually been going on at the other club experience and I was really honestly ashamed as a parent that I had seen her as it was an effort thing as opposed to she was feeling burnt out and not good about the experience there because the the girls she wasn't gelling with the girls and things weren't weren't feeling right for her so it wasn't the fact that my kid wasn't putting in the effort she was doing the best she could in the situation she was at but when we took her out of that situation and put her back to doing what she loved, everything changed for her. And then everything changed for us as our relationship as well. And, and she just became a completely different person. So, you know, that's not to say that you shouldn't push your kids or, you know, do those things. But I, I felt really bad that I missed it as a parent. And I feel like I'm fairly attuned. I missed it. I, I ended up, you know, judging more on the, soccer program than doing what was best for my kid and that's you know something that I always I tell that story a lot because I think it has made all the difference in the world for our family and for my relationship with my daughter that sometimes you have to really take a step back and realize you know that what might not be the best say in the long run where it might not have gotten my daughter it, like maybe my daughter could have gotten into a d1 program if she had thrived in that program but she didn't so we had to be okay with that and, you know, realize that my daughter's mental health and her, my relationship with her was much more important than what maybe, maybe could have been by her staying where she was. Yeah. I want to go into that moment when what, what you said to me is you didn't like who you were as a mom right then. And mm -hmm. not so much about the miss, but about, you know, the, the pressure, the, the piece, because I think all of us moms, and I'm sure dads too, but I can only speak because I'm a mom. We all go through that. We're like, oh my gosh, I just don't like how I'm momming right now. And when you mm -hmm. had that moment with yourself, how did you sit down with your daughter to fix it? What did you do? 
I mean, so the first step for us was, um, you know, it was, she was not really on board when we decided to bring her back to this other club. Um, and when I told her the strain that it was putting it on our entire family, that was like the first step. And I told her that I saw what was going on in our relationship and that I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, that was the first step. And then, you know, I had just had to apologize. I had to eat crow and be like, you know, I, this, I missed it. And I've been writing you on the wrong things and not realizing what was going on. And I just apologized and told her that I was really sorry for, you know, like writing her on her effort and other things that were a little bit out of her control and that I, I wasn't putting her needs first and, you know, that I wasn't going to do that anymore. And I just, sucked it up and said I was sorry and that I I was wrong and that I was going to try to do better and you know in our house that's the first step in anything and you know I always I've always tried to apologize to my kids when I knew I was wrong and my husband did too like you know I I don't want to speak for him but he actually did the same thing and and even though it was harder for him a little bit to to do to suck it up and move the clubs um we both agree now it was the best best decision for her the best decision for our family and the best you know i think it it will it had a greater impact on her future life than anything she would have gotten from staying well let me just uh, let me chime in on this it, it, i i agree I, I i think it gets so lost and, and obviously the the mindset you have now and had the change has all worked out and, 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 and me and Julie do talk about this. And I coached in Division One for five years. And mm -hmm. I lived it to be a lot of places around the world. The journey is absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. And this is the short-sightedness today at so many levels. Um, uh, your journey has to be great, right? I remember... A uh, father that had a kid played in the USHL, which is, you know, is the hockey, the, the big time league for, for amateur in the United States or, you know, below college. And uh, father says, oh, we went to all the camps, played with all the best players on all the good teams. My kid's 20. He doesn't have a commitment. Did you enjoy the journey? Right. Could better. Enjoy the journey. Because for most, it doesn't work out the way you mm -hmm. want it to most of the time. Uh, it's your, the pressure of, of that gets put on. My father was all over me when I played. Mm -hmm. When he stopped coming to the games, I was all state. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, you're right on the part on the parenting changes. Like I was an athlete growing up and granted our gymnastics practices were three and four hours, you know, a, you know, a night and my parents never they were never sitting there watching me. I mean, my mom might show up in half an hour before just so that she could chit chat with some of the other moms, but it was never a, well, why weren't you, why didn't you do an extra bar routine? Why didn't you, you know, do this? Why aren't you doing extra running? Why aren't you, there was literally zero of that. Now, granted, I think I'm a lot like your daughter, Whitney. I was very driven. I didn't need anybody mm -hmm. else pushing me because I was pushed myself really hard. Um, but today's parents in hockey that I watch, you know, there are parents intensely watching these practices and then being parent coaches when their kids come off the ice. Right. I, I, when, when you, I want to just touch on a couple things she said that, that I think that 
First, I want to say one thing about the rule change. I don't know the situation, but I'm going to gather that just maybe there was a parent who had a child that said changing it from grade to birthday might benefit her kid or his kid. I'm not saying that's the case. No, it was a uh, it was uh, the European coach that came over from uh, that started. Um, he, I think they were the head of the U.S. soccer program, and that's the way they do it everywhere else. Okay, that's fine, but you know what? Yeah, I'm saying? so that, that right. right. But yes, I agree. Like, there's a lot of people who were happy about it too because then their older kid could yeah. benefit. Yeah. Uh-huh. The dynamics of what I've seen of what administrators and their parents have done. In sports is disgusting. Right. Um, I think you have to be a a great custodian and a great guardian. And if you Mm -hmm. stick by those rules, it works out well. But but a lot of people don't, right? And Mm -hmm. those are the people who aren't enjoying the journey like you were talking about before. That's exactly right. Like, I would just, okay, so I would just ask you guys. So, have you ever met a parent, like, when we had the scandal, remember we had the college scandal, right, with the with the Hollywood moguls paying for their kids? Like, yeah. Remember we had that? Yep. Right? I don't know if you experienced it, but I've asked other parents, do you know what they say to me? I would do the same thing. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm my gosh. I'm not right. kidding. I'm not kidding. I've met more, I would, when that thing was big, I said, and they go, oh, I would do that too. So what does that tell you about the society where we've come from and where we're at now? It's like, yeah, yeah, they would, they would, they would do whatever they could. They'd pay a bribe. They would do whatever. Well, right. Lou, know? we see that in hockey too. Oh, um, absolutely. <laughs> hockey is the worst. Yeah. And I'm sure you saw it in soccer that it's kind of a pay to play mm-hmm. positioning. Oh, thing. for sure. Yeah. yeah. What? Oh yeah. But isn't it sad though? Because what does that yeah. tell your kid yes. that you don't like? That's what that's what I'm yep. like. Yep. I think the saddest thing is that's telling your kid that the only way, like, I don't believe in you. I right. have to pay to get you in, right? Yes. Like, like I just think it's such a sad thing. So one of the things that I always try to tell my girls is, you know, I believe in you. I believe you're going to be successful no matter what, and that you don't need me. Like, I'll help you. I'll do whatever I can to help, like, help you. But I believe in you. Yeah. And I think that's the most empowering empowering things that we can give to our kids is saying, like, make the best out of any situation and you will be successful in life. And that's how we, a lot of us were raised. And so that is what I told my daughter when I moved her over. Like, it was the best thing that ever happened to her. I think she was able to build her resume up for the rest of her life. Right. And make connections and more and, and, and actually learn because she's been interacting with parents of young children. Like, I think she's learned more about life in the past, like, two years than she ever would have won just playing soccer and trying to get that D1 scholarship. Well, like, the- it's... Look at the pressures on children and what's causing a lot of ways depression, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Anxiety. Kids, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. All because there's this pressure to be a winner. I, I think yep. George Washington, way, or even John Kennedy, I think, talked about, I think the famous quote is, success has lots of fathers, failure has, is an orphan. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, yeah. but yet we learn the most from our failures. 
And we are not letting our kids fail today. And it's awful. They have to fail. Yeah. And that's, well, you know, um, uh, I do want Whitney to share, though, you know, you, you made the change in soccer. So what's your daughter doing next? So, well, we'll have to see. Um, you know, she's trying to decide if she wants to play soccer in college. And um, she's not at a level where she could go uh, D1. And but yet um, her I think it would be better for her to go to a little bit larger uh, school where she could do a five year uh, master's program for education. So if we were just focused on her career goals, I would be pushing her in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, she is not sure if she's ready to give up. And so she could probably go to a smaller D3 school mm-hmm. um, where she could play soccer. So we're kind of leaving it up to her and we're looking at both options and she's been talking to both types of schools and we've been, we're, you know, depending on cost, but well, you know, if we can make it work, like we we're giving her the option. And, um, you know, to do what she thinks is best for her, you know, but also saying, hey, if you go to a larger school, you can play intramurals or a club or something like that. And and then but she's just not she's not sure she wants to give it up. And so she's talking to, you know, coaches at the E3 schools and then she's talking to, um, you know, she's looking at we're doing some college tours at some larger schools. And we're going to kind of let the decision up to her as long as it's not cost prohibitive. But yeah, you know, we're going to, we're going to, because we told her that she's really done a lot with her life the last two years and all of her decisions have been right for her and she's really flourished. So, you know, we said this one's kind of on, on you. And, and it's funny because we're a house divided. I think she should (sighs) go to a larger school where she, um, opportunities for her education and my husband really because he played soccer at a small d3 school Uh, he um he he wants her to go that path because he it was such a great experience for him uh, so you know that's why we said we're gonna let the decision kind of lie with her as long as it's rational and uh she gets to is you know and then she gets to pick (laughs) and so that's that's kind of what we're doing and a lot of parents have told me i'm crazy and uh don't you love that unsolicited advice mm -hmm. you're crazy yep (laughs) i'm crazy yeah and and even just the way i'm doing my my daughter's schedule like you know she's like i I don't want to take ap spanish i'm like great don't take ap spanish like you know she's i think she's done a great job navigating her mental health and especially being a covid kid you know and and uh she missed her most of her ninth grade year and and you know i think she's done like and she was we definitely went through a lot of things and she's really come out of it on the other side great and and i mean and i i mean I say this now. I mean, we went through a lot of struggles too. So I, I don't want parents to think I'm all like sunshine and unicorns. Um, but, you know, it, because I'm not like things were bad for a while. And my other daughter, you know, we, we struggled with a lot of stuff with her. But it's I do think like stepping back and really like listening to your to your kids and, you know, trying to figure out what's best for them and how you can make that work. And that sometimes that means giving up you know, certain things like my daughter wanted to be a D one runner. And finally we had to tell her like, guess what? Like your times aren't good enough. And, you know, to get into a program where what you want to do with your, the rest of your life. And so you've got to pick and choose what you want to do. And that was a big wake up call for her. And then she realized she could do 
both if she just reframed the decision. And her decision well, became? She chose, my daughter's going to run at Emory. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, she. Amazing uh, school. Uh, amazing school for exactly what she wants. And she was, you know, gonna, she's going to run track and field and cross country there. And it's a great. And they're a top 10 D3 program. So she'll get to compete. They actually compete sometimes with division one schools. So she'll actually get a little bit of that fun D1 experience, but at a D3 school, that is exactly right for her, her major, because she wants to go, she wants to develop, uh, she wants to do genetics research. And so it's the right school for her, but you know, it's, it was a journey to get there. It wasn't easy, but you know, we had to give up a lot and we had to reframe the discussion for her. And we had to say, this is, you know, this is what success looks like for you. It might not look like it for the girl next to you, but this is what success looks like for you. You know, go ahead, Lou. No, what I was going to say, there's a reason we have cliches. Because they're true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, walk a mile, walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Right. Right. Like for years, for decades and decades, and maybe it's changing a little bit, for decades, in hockey, we always said, to your point about Division Three, we always said the only difference in hockey between Division One and Division Three, because there's no kind of two right now, because it's yep. the landscape changing, right. is the size of the body and the mm-hmm. size of the crowd. Right. A lot of kids in Division Three are maybe 15 pounds lighter, maybe an inch or two shorter or whatever. And and they draw a thousand people, and and the big schools are kids are six one six two, not all of them, but a fair few, a lot I would say, and and in five thousand come to watch. You put your for pardon the pun, you put your jock on the same way, you put your right. hands on the same way. They practice at Babson of Jamie Rice five days a week, play twice a week, just like they do with Jay Pandolfo at BU. Mm-hmm. It's just his athlete might be a little smaller in some ways. And they don't draw as many people. Right. You know, this, this myth that, that you know. That you have to go D1. and you're not D1. Well, and Lou, it's getting worse. It's not only just D1. Now you have to go to the Power 10 schools, you know, the the names. Yeah. It, it, I really do think it's a, in a lot of ways, and I don't want to, the word tragedy is a big word. It's a little war going on on the other side of the ocean. But it's a tragedy mm-hmm. to, to think that people to Wendy's point, like what her daughter d- decided to do, right? Like, I'm so tired of hearing it. I have a hockey showcase, one of the best in the country. And the fact of it is, I might have, in Jersey alone, I have boys and girls, now, but Julie goes, I might have 200 boys. I might have 25 or 30 going to play Division One, if that. Right. I think mean, kids going to play club hockey in a mural hockey. I have to say I'm jealous of your daughter, of you having a daughter running track and field where it comes down to times and it's not subjective based on coaches and personalities Uh, and all that. (laughs) I have said that for years, like, because she used to play soccer too. And she, she's, she's a, she's a athlete with speed, right? So she looks flashy, but she started hating the contact because she was smaller of, of soccer and how physical it gets because they really do rock that. It, they yeah. do look like they get hip checked without pads out there sometimes. So yeah. It's a little hard to watch, especially when your daughter is significantly like smaller than others because she's she's scrawny and um but then when she started running and so it was hard because you, you're always getting antsy right when your kid doesn't get playing time and that's on any team sport you know nothing like just stresses you out more as a parent than watching your kid not get 
playing time. And and it really was like hard to watch her from going from a starter to a non-starter and, and wondering what you're spending all this time on when your kid's never playing, you know, and it's um, that was hard. And then when she switched to running, it was great because we like the coach tells them like your whole running career is like in your hands. Like if you want to put in the work, like he's like, I've seen kids with no athletic ability become the best runners on my team because so much of it is training and drive and what you put into it. There's a little talent with it, of course, but a lot of, a lot of it is just hard work. And, you know, so when she realized like her destiny was in her hands, it was such a relief as a parent because it is like, if you're, if your kid's going to run varsity, like most of the time it's whoever has the best times and that's it. And so, and then, and then the rest of the time, you're just competing with yourself yeah. and what your last personal best was. And that is a very free, freeing, freeing thing as a parent to just be like, Hey, you know what? Can you do your best? That's great. Can you beat your last time? That's amazing. And it's a very liberating feeling. Well, let me ask you, uh, Whitney, it's probably a relief for her too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I just want to yeah. yeah, I just want to say. Uh, and I'm going to give you a great example of it. It's where I'm really, um, where I I think this is where we're off the the the, the path where we made mistake. I'll give. You, so we all knew who Jesse Owens was, right? Okay. Yep. So, but we knew who Jackie Robinson was. Mm-hmm. But we don't know who Michael Robinson was. Mm. And I'm going to tell you who he was. He was Jackie's brother, and he finished second to Jesse Owens. Like four tenths of a second, or four one hundredths of a second behind Jesse Owens, but you never heard of Michael Robinson, mm. right? And that's the sad part of it, right? And, and, and you know, like that's why I think you have to embrace everyone. Um, well, and I'm old fashioned, so change for me is a little more difficult. Um, but you only get a few kicks in the can. As my mom would say, some get a lot of opportunity, some get some, some get none. But when you have your day in the sunshine, you better make it worth it. Yep. You might not get another chance. Right. Right. So and we can't and all be, uh, we can't, we can't all be uh, Ricky Bobby's dad anymore and tell right. him if you ain't first, <laughs> you're last. <laughs> that's, that's gone. But, but everybody wants to be a winner. I like that about the, about our society, what you're talking about, Lou, it's so spot on. Our society is trying to just foster winners. And it's because of, in my opinion, the social media pressure and everybody putting only winning things out on social media. And I feel like we should start a campaign, Whitney, we should start a campaign of let's celebrate anything like anything, you know, name, whatever it is, you know, kid who swam across the pool for the swim test to be able to swim in the deep end at age 16 for the first time. But then that kid gets interested in, in water and water sports, and then maybe becomes, you know, goes to the Navy or, you know, let's celebrate things about, you know, someone who maybe didn't do great in English, but got inspired by one teacher. And that turned that, that person into wanting to, you know, do things that you never thought that they would have done before instead of just closing things down because they're not the top at everything. Right. And, and just, I I would be remiss if I didn't say that, you know, having two athletes, just to mention my third daughter who um, she is a twin um, and she, if you took one person and split them in half, those are my twins. 
So like from everything, from literally one daughter is all science and math. The other one is all English and history. And one's an athlete and one's in music. But my, my, my daughter, my daughter, who's going to run at Emory, um, her twin sister um, was born with a very mild case of cerebral palsy and walked on her tippy toes for the first six years of her lives and had some developmental delays. And, um, and, could not be more uncoordinated she would tell you <laughs> like she just it's very hard for her to make uh do multi-step movements but she learned how to play the cello and she also ran cross country and now she runs as wow. um as a tool for anxiety and you know she never was going to be the best runner out there but she stuck with it and she yeah. found a passion for it and you know if she didn't do take that opportunity to run on cross country and she hated team sports because she wasn't ever good at them. And so she didn't want to play them because she, it was just everybody, everything was easier for everybody else. So she found a different passion, but the point is, is just that she found running as a, as a great tool to like manage her mental health and her anxiety and, and just enjoying it. And we forget that that's what support, that's what sports is supposed to be at. Right. right. That's like the whole point of it is. Yep. So we, I think as parents, we have forgotten that it is okay to do something just for fun and just because you enjoy it. And it doesn't have to be like, it's okay if your kid does intramural basketball, but doesn't make the varsity basketball team at your high school or doesn't do club. Like it doesn't every, that's a great way to spend your time. Yeah. And I feel like we've forgotten that quite a bit I you know agree. because when i say my daughter runs they're like oh is she gonna do a 5k or is she gonna do this i'm like no right. she just wants to go down on her treadmill yeah. or run outside every yeah. like three times a week because she enjoys it yeah. so you know that's just I, I just think it's that's important too and we miss that sometimes that it's okay for your kid to do something just for fun right Listen, i have a 12 year old and and you know she jumped in the pool with four uh, the swimming coach retired up had a pool in her house we took her over there because I knew someone that knew her. Mrs. Robinson's her name. And she jumped in the pool like, and she said, she's never really swam? No. But she wouldn't. She said she should be on the swim team. She was like five or six. And we, she didn't want to do it, my daughter. She wanted to mm-hmm. do it when she was 11. So she, right. she got behind the other girls, obviously. But we didn't pressure her. We said, mm-hmm. okay. And she figured it out on her own. Now she's a little behind. Now she swims in the winter. But she figured out on her own. Like, I'm so tired. God, I, it's so overwhelming, the things that we've gone through with parents, with the cost of things and what, what's happening. Let them find their path. Encourage mm-hmm. them. Be positive. Just try. Make the effort. When you make the effort, it usually works out. Right, Whitney? Like, it does. Yeah. Yeah, that's you just have to listen to your kids. But that's why, like, my message to parents is you have to be brave and courageous and realize that your kids are going to be okay. Yes. Like they're going to be. And, but it takes like, you know, it is the most personal thing in your life to be a parent. Like you feel so that, you know, you just want your kids to be okay. And you have to realize that not every decision you make is going to change. It will, it might change the trajectory of their life, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to be okay if they're not at the best club for soccer or for hockey or whatever it is, like you have to realize they're going to be okay. And, and it might open the door to something else. And, you know, I just look at the world this way too. 
if everybody would just take care of their own child, right? We wouldn't have a problem like we have. <laughs> yeah. And just take yep. care of your own kid. You don't need to be right. snooty or snooty or bragging or bodacious or just look out for your guy, your own child with values, right. morality. And I think keeping up with the Joneses, I kind of hate that. Who cares? Right. Well, unless you're Amy Jones with Seth and Caleb, and she is a, <laughs> she's a mom who she is big on parenting right and raising your kids with good values, and that's why you don't hear stuff about Seth and Caleb in the NHL doing anything bad. Um, Amy keeps them in line, that is for sure, even at the ages they are, and they're professional athletes, and she's she is – Huge. If you ever if you follow her on Instagram, she's been on the show a couple times, but if you follow her on Instagram, she is always talking about raise them right. Yeah. And, and you have to be willing to put up boundaries and have consequences. And, yeah. you know, and sometimes those consequences mean like you don't get to do exactly what you want to do and the way you want to do it. And, you know, because you have to make a decision. Like, that's what we told our kids. Like, I was willing to do anything to help them find their passion. But when it got to be the point where it was disrupting what I thought was important for our family and, you know, if it impacted one of the other kids, like we had to make decisions that were best as a family to get us all through. And, you know, that's when I realized that and I embraced that and I I realized that my kids are going to be okay no matter what, like everything changed for me. Like, like making decisions became so much simpler because, you know, it was, we just, it was just easy. But once you're like, am I, is my kid going to be behind? Can they catch up? What will they miss? What will they gain? Like, you know, it gets so complicated and, you know, the people who are willing to go into debt, so much debt for this stuff. And, you know, I just wonder like, you know, and then your kid, all of a sudden goes to college is like, I don't want to play anymore. Yes. But and, that's real. You know, right. And then what, what happens then? So it's, it's a tough thing. I mean, it's not easy and you know, it's, you have to be courageous and just realize that it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going it's to it's be okay. It's going to be okay. And I, and, and each parent who's listening, you have to come to that moment yourself. I know I had mine a few years ago and I had my aha moment. And once you have that moment, then it becomes a lot easier. And if you haven't mm-hmm. had it, you know, I hope right. I hope that they're able to listen to some of the advice, kind of sit down and take a look because here's the deal. You're only a youth athlete while you're a youth, but you're a parent of a youth athlete for their whole life. So what's more important, Mm -hmm. your relationship to your kid or that they're a youth athlete? So that's a great point. You want want your kids to have success. It's great. Yeah. They they don't always have success. Right. Right. I mean, I I just wish, once in a while, I do see some parents. I do. they're, They're rare, but I do see them. Be happy for other kids. I used to see mm-hmm. that more 30 years ago than I do now. And there's a lot of reasons probably why. Not all, not any of them good, for sure. Um, but it's it's the landscape has changed. And I think in the end, it's a bad thing. And I think it's right. only going to get worse. I don't think it's getting, I don't see anything getting better, right? Well, to go back to your point and how much you spend on you know, hockey, I, I can tell you, like, when my daughter was struggling at soccer, and we flew 
to Florida for a tournament and she barely played in. Like, it's hard for me to be happy for your kid who did great, right? And scored five goals because I just spent all this money and time watching my kids sit on the bench, right? So that's like part of the problem when I feel like sometimes we go too far with like club sports and everything is it does, it's, you know, you're trying to justify your time and expense of it all. And, you know, if your kid is really enjoying it and embracing it and loves, you know, the team atmosphere, that's great. Then, you know, and they're getting something out of the sport, then I think it's great. But otherwise, I think sometimes as parents, it's so hard to justify what you're doing. Um, when your kid isn't necessarily getting something positive out of it. Oh, and, that's a really good. Okay. We're you know, gonna, that's, I, that's how I felt. Yeah. Let's okay. Let's pause on that topic. And Whitney, we're going to have you come back because that's a big topic in and of itself right there is the value and, and, and parental parental expectation out of the value. And, right. um, I, I think we should we should dive into that one another time because that's a big that could get hairy and kind of fun <laughs> to yeah. break that one down because you know when we talk about you know value we are putting that on our kids and I think that's extra pressure and I think that um when they grow up how are they going to be looking at things so I've always been one to try and look down the road, what I'm doing today, how is that going to affect my son down the road? How is he going to be, you know, whatever. I'm not perfect. And anyway, as a matter of fact, horrible, but I do feel like that is one thing that I do. Okay. in is what I'm doing today, what happens down the road. And I think we should dive into that another time. But if, but if we're talking about our parents and what they're going to do when youth sports ends. But we had a quite a journey today. I heard from you to find. So parents, find something you yourself are passionate in that has nothing to do with hockey or whatever other sport your kids are in. Find something you're passionate mm-hmm. about so that you have something for yourself and that your kids see you have something for yourself. Yes. And then don't yes. put pressure on your kids. I hear that. L- listen to your kids. And follow their lead. Is that is that kind of a good summation of how parents could become better youth athlete parents and better post athlete parents? <laughs> and, and know it's going to be okay. And know that it's going to be okay. Yeah. And be courageous. Those are great yeah. points. That's I love great it. Ah, uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna. Um, definitely get together again because boy Lou who didn't quite know what he was going to talk about you just jumped right in there <laughs> uh, that's because I'm old now that's why no <laughs> not and had, and, no and you know what I I had I had great teachers like I was fortunate enough to have really great mentors yeah from high school college playing yeah I ran into a couple bad apples but you know you're, you're overcome that and, 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 you know, if you're raised, the, the, I'd say the right way, but you're proper, like, to do the right thing and this and that, when you see something that's not right, like, you know it. You go, oh, you know, this isn't right. And instincts, is it really, you know, my little one, too, she goes, I don't think that's right. You know, they, they know. They do know. You do know. Yeah. Uh, might be a little slower than some people, or but you figure it out. But you, 
I like great mentors. I think that means a lot. And that's where, the, to the point Whitney was making about finding your path and listening to your parents, listening to your children, because they really, they, they kind of know, right? Mm-hmm. And I think yep. that's where it's really, it's a real value system. And you know when you get off the beaten path and you run into a bad apple or have you ever noticed, I'm sure soccer's the same way, I, I'm running, I would think, you ever kind of notice, and Julie knows this, we've talked about this, you ever notice when you're with your group, the kind of really upstanding and good guidance and good value morality parents hang with those? They don't mm-hmm. hang with the bad parents. You ever notice that? Like, yeah. You, know, you go to an event, you don't go to dinner or lunch with a couple parents that are off the rail. You just don't do it, right? Is that fair? Yes. I think so, yeah. Because, yep. there's a, because there's a difference. You don't want to go with Mr. Johnson and his wife because they suck because they <laughs> badmouth the other kids. I don't know what they do. Right. They, they badmouth the other kids. They run down the other kids. Yeah. Right? You don't want to be with them. Run and down the mean, coaches. Right. Run down I, the program. I will... I am always the sucker who ends up with people because I'm like, oh, no. I, don't, I don't like to see anybody alone. So oh. that would be me. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then you're sitting there in that painful conversation yeah. going, oh, exactly. hey, but at least exactly. you're getting content to write on. There you go. <laughs> this has been great, Whitney, man. I really appreciate you sharing um, your time with us and, and your, your Whitney-isms. It's really good. She yeah, she's got, well, and as, and as she mentioned, she has the website Parenting Teens and Tweens. Please check that out. And you can also follow her on Facebook at Whitney Fleming Writes and yep. uh, all kinds of great topics um, within there um, that you write on. So thank you, Whitney. I really appreciate you spending time with us. Thank you. It's been fun. Appreciate it. Thanks. Great. Okay. See you, Whitney. Nice to meet you. Take care. Bye-bye. Fight. Holy, breaking that one down, huh? We went in all kinds of different ways, and we could have we could have talked to her for as long as we talked to Lou Vero. Yeah. Well, there's so there's so much, such a mess. Of course we can. Yeah, yeah, but I but I like to figure out how we can fix it. So maybe we start that campaign of 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 the 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 pieces that she said. You know, have find find a passion that is totally outside of your kid. And outside of the youth sport, don't put pressure on your kids. The kids are going to be okay. No matter what, be create, be courageous. We've just started yeah, a campaign. You know, I mean, you, you have a child that's a really good athlete, and he's going to make his way where, you know, I have a daughter who's 12 who is somewhat coordinated, but not overly coordinated. She's, no, she's, she's not that athletic, but she swims and she'll dance, and she's just having fun and um, I mean, you might have a parent say, well, you'd feel different if your kid was on the fringe of really being great. No, I wouldn't. I, I can tell you what. My little one tried hockey for about three, four, five months. She liked it, but her girlfriends didn't play. You follow me? Yep. So she decided she didn't want to do it. Yeah, makes sense. You know what? I'm okay with it. A matter of fact. You're probably happy. <laughs> I'm happy she didn't do it, okay? Because I wasn't going to be able to take her all over the country or all over the East Coast. And my wife, we would have done it. I mean, my wife's a busy woman. You know, she's at school, Catholic school, five, six days a week for six hours an hour. She's the president of the student school body, whatever they call it. Yeah. 
and she's out tonight. She'll be going all night with a event. Um, it's just her advocation, right? Her vocation, I should say, and and that's all great. She's busy. She'd still have, you know. But you know, it, it's just I just want parents. And believe me, listen, I'm not dumping on parents. There's a lot of great parents. Yeah. Right. Right. And anybody who will listen to this conversation would know that that's not me. But just worry about your child. Be a, be a team spirit person. And if it don't, like I've had people come to my hockey event and they're mad at me because you know what? Their kid didn't play great. Yeah, I know, like, right? I, I, mean, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, it's so wonky. It's so, so Give your kid an opportunity. Wonky. You know, and put 100 hours on his back and, and, and gave you, you know, a 40-page program and, and brought 30, 40 people in to watch him and didn't charge you an arm and a leg. You know, I didn't prostitute you like everybody else does in this sport, right? You know, so yeah. like I said, you're either you're going to be a custodian and a guardian of the game, and we have a lot of those people, right? Um, yep. You know, say hockey's a volunteer organization. You yep. follow me? Yeah. I mean, we just did a few episodes with Lou Vero. I mean, listen to that five, six decades of what has been going on. So, um, but it there are landscapes that have changed. Um, and in, in not all, not all in good ways. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I know you got to get going on the uh, weekend. I got to get going. Okay. Um, and, uh, we will, um, well, I'm going to be at a rank. You're going to rank, be at a rank. So yes. we're going to see you. At, yeah. Uh, Monday, Monday night. So I can't wait uh, to talk about that. Yeah. We're good. And the depth. The Devils won last night without Jack Hughes. Yeah, he didn't play last night, so that's a um, plus. Yeah, like you know, like when your best player kind of is out. But he's, he's he, I think he's, I think he'll be back this weekend or whatever. I don't know. It was a maintenance thing. I'm not even sure, but um, we're still moving forward. We're doing good. Um, the organization they have a plan, and hopefully we can make our team better before the trading deadline. And um, uh, the, the bean pot, by the way, was sold out. Uh, the, the, the first game, which is usually has about five thousand, had about twelve thousand, wow. which is tough to when they're at five o'clock in the evening, right? Yeah, yeah. But it was—I've never seen as big. Now, I didn't go last year, so uh, uh, one of the other guys I work with went. But uh, they'll be, it'll be, it'll be, uh, it'll be sold out. It'll be—I would think it will be. But it was a good crowd, and um, it's good to see a lot of people. A lot of GMs came in on uh, Monday. You know, some guys I haven't seen for a while. Um, um, and, um, you know, real quick, another note, like I spent some time with Chuck Fletcher in Michigan and then saw him the other night again. And he, he was in Minnesota for a long time uh, as the general manager of the Wild. And he was talking about how youth hockey's run there. And you know it, you know more about youth hockey than I know. I mean, I, <laughs> you have one point. Yep. He was saying how. You know, it's the largest Bantam, Bantam Federation in the world, like 40,000 Bantams. And they and they still keep this cost down. And they still keep it effectively running like a smooth machine. They have the, same, they have the most know. rinks in the whole. They have more rinks yeah. in Minnesota than they have outside of Minnesota combined. Right. So don't get away from the plan that they've done so well at. And he says, yeah. Sometimes he worries about the parents are going to ruin it. So we, we talked a little bit about that. Um, and... Um, I like to get my dose of John Tortorella uh, and Lindy Ruff. I listen to both their press conferences, like when they talk about the players. I, I gotta love them. They, they, they kind of they tell it like it is, and that's kind of cool. Well, I'm looking forward uh, to the bean pot watching Tortorella's son 
along with Ted Donato on the bench versus our friend Jerry Keefe um, at oh, uh, at yeah. Northeastern. I love that oh, it's Harvard got, Northeastern. On Twitter, Rawls brother or brother, yes, brother Jim. Yes. Jim, yeah, good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's gonna yeah, be that's fun. Good, uh, Who's your bet? Who are you picking? Harvard or uh, Northeastern? Well, Northeastern have a bigger crowd, that's for sure. They probably had. I mean, they might have had a lone five thousand of their own fans, and the whole student body was sitting behind. I sat with uh, Jim Madigan, the AD at Northeastern, and Eric Weimrich, who works for us, who played eighteen years or so, and Al Santilli, who works for us. Um, and his wife was there and their daughter, not Kate. Kate was with our team in Jersey, but uh, so they had a big crowd. Um, uh, Gibson's a good goalie from the Philly area who played in Liberty Bell games. And then uh, Levi, the kid, that, I think he's Buffalo now. He might've been traded. I think he was traded. He might've been drafted by Florida, but, but anyway, uh, he's been pretty good. That guy, I, I, I don't make too many mistakes. He's a bit of a, he's just five eleven. Uh, the leading kid, or Levi, I already say, but he he don't make a lot of mistakes, that kid. But Gibson's good, too. Uh, but it'll all come down to the to the difference makers. Um, you know, Coronado, the Long Island kid that played for the goals, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and, of course, LeFarrier, the Avalanche kid. Okay. Yep. Um, and uh, that, that little Farrell kid that played for the Junior Bruins organization. Uh, those are the guy in the Farinacci, as they called him, Jersey Johnny at the World Junior a few years back, right? Yeah. Uh, he's back from an injury. Uh, they, when they're going, they're pretty good. And they got out to a lead the other night against uh, yeah. in their game against um, BU. Uh, BC. 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 Yeah. And they held them off, but then they went to overtime. And Hey Duke's son scored. Yeah. The game winner. Yep. Uh, a nice pass from the Farrier. Um, and it's amazing. I was just, you know, it was, it was just nice to see so many parents that I've known since their kids were little kids and you like to see them have success. Um, every once in a while, there's a dark horse, a kid you didn't think be very good, but, and you get to that age of 15, 16, 17, you, you kind of know that their path a little bit, you know, um, they certainly get to where they're at. Whether they continue on is a different story. Right. But you know when they're really good at 17, they're going to be good at 20, right? You know what I mean? And, you know, whether they're good at 25, that's a different animal, right? Um, you know, that pyramid's a tough thing to shake, those bricks. You know, the way that – it's interesting how that pyramid's built, right? It's a little it's a little tougher at the top, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's hard to get to the top. Yes, it is. Yeah. So. But, well, I'm looking forward to it. So, well, I'm going to pick Northeastern <laughs> – just because, uh, you know, Jerry. So I'm rooting for Jerry. Yeah, yeah, as much I, as I, I love Donato, I, I love I him. Would like, I would like to say, oh, you know what? I, the goalie's just been so good for them. I, I, he really, I, I mean, but, but you know, LaFarrier and Farrell. And it's going to be hard. Well, they got some, like Coronado, like they got some sharpshooters. So. Well, if you, know, if you look at the roster for Northeastern, though, it's like half Canadian kids. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think that most, you know, most, uh, I think most of the, uh, most colleges today, I mean, there's very few just all, I mean, everybody's, I mean, there's quite a few Canadians playing in college hockey. So you just, you know, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's, uh, yeah, you got, I'm just looking at it here. 
they got they got yeah they're they're half you know uh, let me just see here what uh, oh they got uh, Kent Hughes's kid yeah 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 and uh, but they've got the you know and then the amount, the Harvard's a little quite quite a, you know uh, they're more way, way more American. I think actually they only have a handful of yeah. Canadians on the team they are. but they got some sharpshooters like that Coronado he's a game breaker he's deceptive you know he can score. The Farrier's got speed. Farrell's got a great change of direction. Gibson's solid. Their D's okay. All right, so it um, sounds like you're taking Harvard. All right. Well, I just, I just think that Levy's really good, but those couple players. Yeah, difference makers. They can be the difference maker. And uh, uh, I, I think if they – they may hang on if they get out front, but they'll – those those few kids can really, they can really they when they score like like when Coronado scores, it's not by accident. You know, it's not like he it goes off someone's knee. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it he knows where it's going, and and so does Lafarrier. And you know, so uh, yeah, I'll go with Harvard, and uh, you go with Northeastern. All right. And, uh, I'll just be sitting with the AD of Northeastern, so. <laughs> well, I'm going to text Jerry, and I'm going to tell him I have a dollar on the game. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good catching up with you, Lou. Enjoy the enjoy the ween pot, and um, we'll talk again, and we'll see who wins the dollar. Okay, sounds good. All, All right. right. <laughs> okay, have a good day. All right. Okay. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.